guys, it's Shawnee and welcome back to Lola Scotland and to another episode of The Court Roundup. So, this week I have a couple of wee stories and then just one honourable mention at the end, shall we say. I mean, it's not very interesting. Well, it is. It's quite interesting. But, yeah, I don't really know what to say about it. I just found something. I decided to add it in at the court roundup because I was like, well, I would be interested in knowing that because I'm dead nosy. So, you know, here we go. So our first case for our court roundup is Janie Maines. Janie was recently sentenced in the High Court in Glasgow on Monday the 6th of July 2020 by Lord Matthews. She was sentenced to six years and eight months imprisonment after she pled guilty to culpable homicide of Alistair McFadden, a 40-year-old father from Paisley. Jenny Maines, 46, killed a man called Alistair McFadden at a flat in Paisley in Renfrewshire on the 13th of June 2019. Mr McFadden was out of prison for two days when he was stabbed by Jenny with a pair of scissors. He was found seriously injured and rushed to the Royal Alexandra Hospital in Paisley. But unfortunately, medical staff were unable to save him. McFadden was, like, not a squeaky clean guy by all accounts. Like I said, he had only been out of prison for two days when he was stabbed by Janie. He used, like, several aliases that's known to be about nine. He used about 60 of births for different things, and he also held nearly 50 criminal convictions. His offences include attempting to pervert the course of justice, drug offences, breaking bail conditions, shoplifting, drunk driving, dangerous driving, arming himself with weapons carrying out assaults with knives and other serious assaults. In 2011, he was cleared of the rape of a 21-year-old woman in Paisley. In 2009, he was in court for a number of shoplifting offences and breaching bail conditions. Sheriff Harris told him that he was getting his final, final chance and placed him on a community payback order which would have seen him supervised by social workers for the next two years. The supervision order was due to begin the week after he was released. McFadden was released from prison on the Tuesday following a four-month stretch imposed in April for breaching bail conditions again. He breached his bail conditions by being out with his home, Moorfoot Avenue in Paisley, during his curfew hours, and he was in possession of heroin. He had gone to visit his ex-girlfriend Maureen Campbell in her flat where Janie was also living. At about midnight, Janie, an unemployed hairdresser, produced scissors from her pocket and said she was going to collect a debt. There was an argument about whether Miss Campbell should go along with her or not. Janie claimed the attack happened because he stabbed her first with the scissors by stabbing her in the thigh. At 1.50am, A 999 call was made and police found both women in the bedroom trying to stem the flow of blood from Mr McFadden's chest. Janie's position was that Mr McFadden took the scissors from her, broke them and wielded them in her direction causing injury. She said she lost control and stabbed him. Basically the jury couldn't contradict this and the culpable homicide plea was accepted on the basis of her being provoked. After hearing McFadden was dead, Janie said they called the police 
and then obviously goes to hospital. And after hearing McFadden was dead, Janie said, he done it to me first, and then apparently she asked if she was really dead from that one wee jab. Now, unfortunately, Janie was having quite a rough time of it at this time. She had lost a son due to overdose. I think that she wasn't, like, 100%, like, mentally okay, obviously, if, like, obviously. if I can only imagine if you lost a child, you know? So, wow. But no excuse, really, for stabbing someone, but you can kind of understand someone's mental state if they're going through such grief and they've snapped she's clearly not mixed up with the right people you know it's yeah is what it is she was said to be like really remorseful and horrified disgusted by the suffering and harm that she caused to the family knowing herself obviously how hard it was to lose a son i think that this is like really hot her hard that her acting out in anger and the heat of the moment and stabbing someone has caused them their life which has made the grief that she's been feeling so prominently pass that on to someone else to feel so I mean you can only imagine what was going on in her head you know but then I also feel like who stabs somebody in the chest in an argument you know I couldn't find any information that like 100% confirmed that he stabbed her first in the leg and that's the bit that's like really been gnawing at my brain is if he broke, if he took the scissors off her, yeah, and broke them and then stabbed her in the leg, did she stab him with the other half of the scissor or did she like take the scissor out of her thigh and then stabbed him in the chest? I don't know. I honestly don't know. That's like the question that's bugging my brain right now. And I could not for the life of me find out what on earth went on. Because this is just like a wee small murder case in Scotland that I found online. And the only evidence or not evidence, the only information I could find online were like crappy daily record in the sun articles on it which were like a sentence long so they were pretty pish if you ask me but it's just crazy that there's not more information on this because one this woman was taking a pair of scissors out of the house to go and collect a debt from someone so what debt warranted you going out armed in the world you know and I mean this is Paisley and I'm sorry if anyone's from Paisley but I used to go to uni in Paisley and I know what Paisley's like it is rough it must have been something dodgy you know and the fact that she was like oi Maureen come with me and we'll go collect this debt that I'm due with a pair of scissors and then obviously Maureen's boyfriend McFadden has been like hot no she's not getting involved in whatever you're up to go do it yourself then he stabbed her with her pair of scissors that she was holding or sorry broke them and then stabbed her with the scissors but then she somehow managed to get the scissors back or pulled the scissors out her leg and then stabbed him in the chest 
calls it a wee jab and can't believe that she killed him from it, even though her and Maureen were, like, trying to control the bleeding, which must have been quite large, and then he dies. I mean, is that not just, like, a really random, crazy story to you? For me, it's just all sorts of, no, there was something else going on here, and clearly whatever was going on was probably something to do with drugs, because let's be honest, we know that McFadden was caught with heroin. Paisley is, like, junkie central. Mm. So, yeah, to me, I'm like, it has to be something to do with drugs. It has to be that we don't know the full story. And basically, they're all just a bit crazy, you know? I 100% feel sorry for anyone that loses someone in their family. And I'm not trying to make light of it, but fucking hell, man. Like, sort your shit out, Paisley, you know? Our next case for our court roundup is Charlene Gallagher. She was sentenced to five years imprisonment after pleading guilty to storing a quantity of cocaine behind a kitchen skirting board in her home. As you do. Now, this was not just a little bit of coke that she was storing. She had... 41.91 grams of semi-compressed cocaine, which had a value of around £800. Now, the police raided her flat in Glasgow on December 6, 2019. And when they found this huge chunk of coke, they obviously knew it wasn't for personal use because no one just has £800 worth of cocaine lying in their house. And they're like, oh yeah... I've just got that much disposable income, me, average Joe, that I have £800 worth of cocaine in my house and I'm just going to like use it at the weekend. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't know that much about it, but would that amount, like 41.91 grams of semi-compressed cocaine, would that not kill you if you use that much, like, for personal use in a short space of time? Like, I feel like it would. I feel like it would. So basically the police are like, yeah, you're you're dealing like or you're storing it for onward sale and supply. Now, Carlene had 47 previous convictions. In 2008, she was sentenced to 20 months in pres- imprisonment for drug trafficking offences and she had six drug trafficking offences in total, I think. Now, she's only 38 years old as well, so, I mean, she's old enough to know, like, the rights and wrongs. But basically, on this day, what happened was, at 10.7am in the morning, police raided her home, found a purse with £260 in notes in her bedroom, and a polythene bag behind the skirting board in the kitchen containing containing a white rock substance, which, after forensic analysis, revealed it was the semi-compressed cocaine. Her defence counsel told the court in Glasgow that Carlene started taking drugs at the age of 17 to help her cope with the death of a friend. He added that her DNA and fingerprints were not on the drugs and that she had only allowed them to be stored in her home. He noted that she knew she shouldn't have allowed her house to be used this way and bitterly regrets it. Now, of course you'd regret something when you get caught doing it, 
because at the because at the time you would say no if you didn't want to do it you know like you're going to regret when you get caught if she hadn't get caught would she have regretted it probably not because let's be honest these people get paid to store cocaine in different locations different homes and things so that it's harder for the police to find so a big drug dealer will be like i'm giving you this much and you'll get paid this much to store it in your home and i'll come and get it when i need it or on the other hand they go here's this much drugs go sell it for me this is your cut you owe me this much you're a drug dealer you know and when she's got hold on how many convictions was it 47 previous convictions you're like I don't necessarily believe that she was just storing the drugs you know or that she was forced into storing the drugs or whatever you know because you are a criminal clearly so you know whatever so yeah I mean cocaine's quite prevalent in the west of Scotland where I stay it's like really big. I know so many people that do cocaine. So many people. Like on a weekly basis. And it's not that they're, they are not like drug addicts, you know. It's like recreational. Now me, no. Because it's just, no. I don't put things up my nose. That's not, that's not my kind of deal. That's not for me. And chemicals and things, you know, like... I like to think of myself as like a a hippie. Like, well, I'm not a hippie though in any way. Like, (laughs) I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like natural things, things that grow out the ground, I'm not against, you know, because it grows out the ground, it's natural. Like, whatever, do your thing if you want to do that. But coke, oh my God. Has anyone even ever like watched a documentary on how they make cocaine. I watched this one documentary with Gordon Ramsay. You need to watch it if you haven't watched it because one, Gordon Ramsay is fucking hilarious, but two, he does this really good documentary where he goes to, I think it's Colombia, it's probably Colombia, let's be honest, it's like Cocaine Central. Did they even invent it? Maybe they did, I don't know. But, yeah, it's like so many chemicals. It's not natural in any way. The stuff that goes in there is just disgusting. On top of that, the guys, like the cocoa leaves or whatever they use to make cocaine, they're like stomping on them for hours with their dirty ass feet. Bare feet, stinking, like compressing all these leaves down. Now, that enough for me without even, like, adding all the chemicals was enough for me to be like, I am never getting involved in that. Like, see feet, but no thank you. Like, if you've had your feet near that, I don't want anywhere near it. Same with, like, wine as well. Like, I love red wine. I love red wine. It's really good. I used to be a rosé. Now I'm a red wine girl. If I find out that someone's feet has been stomping on their grapes, I ain't drinking it. So so anyway, that's just something a bit different instead of like a murder. Let's just talk about drugs for a change. And that moves us on to what I was going what I was talking about at the very start 
about how I had like a little tip bit that's maybe boring to some people but I found it quite interesting because again I'm nosy so talking about cocaine in Glasgow and the west of Scotland there is a man called The Hood who is Glasgow's drug lord Stephen Jimmy Jameson and I found an article which I just found hilarious because I thought in this day and age, like this was a recent article, like out this year, and in this day and age when we've got things like a pandemic going on, Australia was literally on fire for months and months and months and so many people lost their lives, like over a billion animals lost their lives, like that is like a worldwide crisis right there. We've got Iran who is just fucked and Jesus. We've got trafficking of women and a migrant crisis. We've got a humanitarian crisis and the fact of Black Lives Matter and the fucking shit that's going on in America right now with the police and don't even get me started, man. And so many other things in the world going on. Yet, the Sun newspaper and Daily Record and all the other shite magazines and newspapers in Scotland have decided to report on this guy, Jimmy, and the fact that he has decided to quit Scotland and go live the high life in Dubai. Isn't that hilarious? Now, I found multiple articles spanning over like a two-year period, maybe, that were literally just talking about this guy and his life. Like, not even talking about something that he had specifically done wrong right then and there. Now, this guy has done wrong. Don't get me wrong. He's, like, one of the biggest drug lords in Scotland. He is dubbed the cocaine kingpin, the hood. He's 36, and apparently his family have quit their swanky home in Glasgow, owned by taxi tycoon Steve Malcolm, who is also another massive criminal in Scotland, to go and move to Dubai. And he's apparently boasting to Oz pals that he's still running his million pound empire from his luxury base, apparently using a 2,000 pound encrypted mobile phone. He's even been visited by crime boss Jamie Iceman Stevenson, another massive criminal in Scotland, and is reported to be having a 500k Dubai wedding. A source close to Jimmy had said that he was basically feeling the heat for like all the drug association and things like that in Scotland and decided to up and leave to Dubai to get like away from that. One of his like really close associates was recently caught with a big stash of drugs and this brought obviously a lot of attention to things that people like that don't want attention brought to. And basically he decided that Dubai was the place for him. There's two flights a day back and forward to Glasgow so if he needs to deal with anything person, he's got enough money that he can just jump on a flight it's around, now don't quote me, I have flew to Dubai loads of times, like, on my travels, um, and it's about six hours, so, I mean, like, half a day and you're back in Glasgow. So, just a bit into the background of the hood, 
He, alongside brothers Stephen and Gary Caddis in 2009, were jailed for flooding Glasgow with tons and tons and tons of cocaine. He was freed in 2013 after serving half of his eight-year term. The Caddis brothers are basically looking after things for him right now in Pollock on the day-to-day and they've been reported to be walking around town like belly big bollocks thinking that they're the men now or whatever and Stevenson, the other big crime boss, is set to be his best man at his upcoming wedding. Stevenson was previously jailed for 12 years and 9 months in 2007 for laundering £1 million of drugs cash, but he was also freed in 2013. Basically, Jimmy, The Hood, Jameson, whatever you want to call him, he's done really well for himself out of this whole crime thing. He has like 100k Range Rovers, the best of gear, big fancy Dubai wedding... Big posh, like, home that's owned by another drug lord that he doesn't have to pay any money towards because, you know, best buddies. But, like, no wonder he's got, like, all these nice things when he was busted for his part in a £9 million drug gang. £9 million. Can you wrap your head around that number? Like, what? Along with the drugs that this guy is caught up in... He also dabbles in desi- uh, selling designer dogs. Like, so, you know, like the new need it, like the new craze of dog that everybody wants at the time, whether it's like pugs or French bulldogs, English bulldogs. Yeah, he started doing that, offering to sell puppies online and offering dogs up to stud to obviously make more money out of that. So he's like dabbling in all sorts of things that are bringing in the cash, basically, you know. And yeah, I just wanted to like mention it because I'm like, Scotland isn't squeaky clean, you know? It's not squeaky clean. Like, drugs are rife in Scotland for sure. We might not be like as bad reported as other countries. Like, obviously, there's like a million documentaries on the meth problem in some parts of America and like cocaine in uh, South America and things like this. But When you hear articles like that, you're like, well, clearly we have a problem here. Nine million pound drug gang in Glasgow. Mind blown. Mind blown. But yeah, I didn't want to like put too much into it, but I just found it crazy that I came across like so many articles. I was literally just trying to find a... Another story he had into the court roundup that was in some way related to the two previous stories of Janie and Carlene in some way because I like the court roundups to be some kind of flow, you know? And when I seen that there was literally like so many articles on just what this guy gets up to, some articles were literally just talking about the fact that he had so much money and that he was now living in Dubai, basically. Oh, by the way, this major crime boss has all this money, he has all these cars, and he's moved to Dubai, FYI. And that was it. That was literally the article. And I was thinking, who literally gives a fuck? Like, I don't care. I literally don't care. I care enough to rant about it on this podcast. (laughs) You know? But 
Yeah, when there's so many other things going on in the world, like, see newspapers, you need to sort your shit out because people don't need to be focusing on hating someone because they've got, like, all this money and stuff because that's the way it's getting portrayed. It's not even getting portrayed as you should hate this guy because he's flooding the streets with cocaine and this is the problems that cocaine is causing because of these people. That is not the way that it's being portrayed in the media. The way that it's being portrayed in the media is like, you should hate this guy because you should be jealous of him and his 100k cars and things like that. And yeah, of course, would I love to have a Range Rover? Of course I would. But it's just warped is what I'm trying to say. You know, like the media is warped. And if there's one thing that you should take away from this podcast today is like, don't waste your time on shite articles and then make a podcast about it. (laughs) That's pretty much it. So as always, find me on Instagram and Twitter, Lawless Scotland and all that jazz. And leave me a review if you feel so inclined. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye guys.